0: Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, how many of you went to uh, see relatives over the Thanksgiving holidays? Some of you. How many of you had relatives come to see you? Few. How many of you went to actually spend the night with relatives? There you go. How many of you had relatives come and spend the night with you? Some of still here. Amen. 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 You know, uh, going and spending the night, I think the holiday tradition of spending the night with relatives or spending the night with uh, extended family make for some great... Great family memories. They can make for some awkward times. They can make for some uh, great stories later on, looking back. But I think it's something that all of us growing up, I, I think, need to experience. It's probably uh, the one thing we miss as a family. Myself, uh, more than anything else, moving. We moved 14 years ago away from Texas and started coming east to Chattanooga and now to, to North Carolina. And uh, we've gone back a couple times, and they've come here. But I, I really miss being able to go and spend time with extended family over the holidays. And it's one of those things that, you know, when you're there and we were close, you always wanted to make excuses of why you couldn't go uh, and why you didn't want to go. But now that we're not able to do that, it's something that that I miss or something that I wish we could do. Uh, Most of you know what I'm talking about when I talk about it being awkward. Uh, Sometimes it can even be stressful you know, you get a bunch of people thrown into one situation. Sometimes they hadn't seen each other in a whole year. You got kids of different ages. You got grandkids and you got some people even bring their animals. And so you got animals running around and you've got, uh, people and it just adds to the stress. And some people don't eat this and other people eat that. And, uh, you know, while you're going to it, it's stressful, but then afterwards it can be, uh, like I said, one of those times that you make some great memories. Uh, Have you ever, let me ask you this, have you ever gone to one of your relatives' house, maybe an extended family member's house, and when you got there, the whole time you were there, you you just didn't feel comfortable, you felt kind of like you weren't welcome, I mean not, they they were kind and they were nice, but you just kind of felt awkward, you felt like you were out of place, like you maybe in your family just didn't kind of fit in, was what was going on. Anybody ever felt like that? I, I, I've had that experience. Uh, and, and then maybe you've gone to the same family member's house at a different time or maybe another family member's house and it's like you walk in and it's totally different. It's like you're part of the family from the moment you walk in. You walk in and they greet you and they're excited to see you and uh, it's kind of like your home. You just go in and act like you're all at home. Uh, and, and it's weird to do that in, in the same house at two different times uh, because it makes me want wonder what makes a difference what what changes what changes that makes it one time uncomfortable and another time makes it very comfortable is it something you do is it something that they do how how do you determine the difference between going and visiting someone's house and really going and visiting someone's home you see because while it may seem like semantics those two words hold two very different meanings See, the Bible tells us that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when you, uh, by faith, say yes to Jesus Christ and you receive him and you receive his offer of grace and, and mercy and salvation and forgiveness, the Bible says he comes to live inside of you. Not in this building. God doesn't dwell in this building. This isn't his home. The Bible says that his home is now inside of you. And I think we struggle with that. I think we have a difficult time thinking that God lives, that God's house in the form of the Holy Spirit is in my body, and it comes out in different ways. You can always tell when we struggle with it, you know, and, and one of the ways that we struggle with it, it always makes me laugh when people you know, get, make a big deal about what we wear. To cheer. Am I breaking up? Can you hear me? Yes, no, universal signals, yes, no, good. If you can't hear me, then God bless you, so uh, we'll just go with it. You know, we, we confuse the two sometimes, and I think people confuse the two because we get so worried about coming into this place like it is coming into God's house. And, and I was raised to always wear your best when you came to church, right? You always wore your best and, uh, because that was just the place that you were going on Sunday as a sign of respect. But I think sometimes people confuse the two, and we get so worked up about what we're wearing to come to this place to worship, and we worry so much about what's on the outside that we forget about what's on the inside, And in reality, this isn't God's house, but this is God's house. And I think sometimes God is more concerned about how we prepared his house than this place and how we've dressed for this place. Matter of fact, Jesus said the same thing. He told the Pharisees, he he called them whitewashed tombs. He said, you're more worried about the outside looking pretty and the outside looking good and the inside looks horrible, the inside looks sick. And and I think sometimes God is more concerned that, that we are using his house, sitting out in the hall gossiping or spreading rumors or having a bad attitude or being angry much more than he's worried about whether or not we wore a coat and tie to church. But yet, we seem to get wrapped up in it. Why? Because I think we struggle with this idea that God lives inside of us. That the creator of the world, the creator of the universe is dwelling in your spirit right now in the form of the Holy Spirit. It's pretty clear that he says that that his home is us. But the problem for many believers, I think, is not... That we don't understand that God's living in our, in our bodies, but that we have allowed him to come and have a house, but we've never made it a home. We've never made it a place where he could feel welcome. We've never made it a place where he could come and have his way with every area of our life. Oh, he lives there. He resides there. But much like you visiting on Thanksgiving holidays or you visiting on Christmas, he, he is not at home there. And the difference between the two is the difference between going through religious motions and seeing God's power in your life. The difference in the two is between having a just everyday roped religious experience with God and being able to see God lived out in every area of your life. It's obvious in how we worship, whether or not God has a home or a house. It's obvious in the Spirit's power that we see lived out in our lives. It's obvious in our attitudes whether or not He has a house or a home. You see, it's important for us to recognize the difference this morning. In our study, where we are in the book of Ephesians, and we're walking through the book of Ephesians in this series, uh, we, we've come to a very important chapter, a very important, um, really, paragraph in the whole book. Matter of fact, some people believe this passage we're going to start this morning uh, is the heartbeat of the book of Ephesians. It it ties everything together that came before and that will come after. And it's so important, that I'm going to break it up into a couple of different weeks. And so we're going to look at this little passage for a couple of weeks. But I believe this passage... ...holds the key to whether or not your house, body is a house or a home... ...and whether or not the Holy Spirit is welcome or whether he's just residing there. You see, if you were to take... We've already looked at the, you know, the first three chapters in the book of Ephesians deal with theological things. And here we are at the end of chapter 3. All that we've looked at before has been theological truths. Who we are, what the Bible says about the church, what God says about our life. And all the chapters that are to come, 4, 5, and 6, are the practical things... They are the things that determine how we live out, how we apply those first three chapters. How do we live our life in light of what we learn in chapters 1, 2, and 3? But if you wanted to put it in a different look, and I wanted to give you a different thought about it this morning to help you break down how these chapters break down. Uh, if our spiritual life was a car, if you were going and buying a car or you had a car, uh, the first three chapters would be the owner's manual. The first three chapters of Ephesians tells you everything that you got, everything that that you are a part of. When you open the owner's manual, it tells you what the power is, uh, how how much uh, bells and whistles it has, how great a gas mileage it gets, what kind of tires it has on it, uh, what kind of oil you use, what kind of seats it has, how do you turn on the seat warmers, right? Uh, How do you use all of the things that you have? Well, that's what the first three chapters of Ephesians does for the Christian. It tells you all that you have, that you are a child of God. That you're not just a sinner saved by grace. You are a saint. You are a child of the King. You are a new creation. You are different. And the Bible says that you have been given every spiritual blessing. You have it all. Not only that, but he tells us in chapter two that all of the walls that separated us from everyone else have come down. Basically what our owner's manual tells us is that you got the top of the line model. That you are a unique model, that you are a unique brand, and you individually have the best that there is to offer. That's an incredible truth if you think about it in the light of a car. And so 1, 2, and 3 is the owner's manual, Then that makes 4, 5, and 6 the maps. Four, five, and six is the GPS system. It tells you where you're going to go with what you have. How do you get there? How do you, how do you go about the ways that you're going to get, you know, and if you have a GPS, it tells you where you're headed in life and, and all the things that you need to do to get there. And so if one, two, and three is the owner's manual and four, five, and six is the GPS or the maps, then this part, the end of chapter three that we're going to look at, verses 14 through 21, we'll just look at three verses today. That is the power system. This, this morning, tells us what kind of gas it uses and how you start the car. What kind of fuel do you have to use to take the model that you've got and get it to where it's going? You see, listen to me, church. You can have the -the top-of-the-line model. You can have the best car that there is. I mean, bells and whistles and seat warmers and uh, all of the things, you know, the cool cars with the, you know, inside uh, heads-up display and all of the other things that a car has. You can have all of that. And you can decide where you're going and have all of the plans laid out and all of the decisions made about all the places you'll drive and off-road and shortcuts and where you're going. But if you don't have any gas, the car is useless, right? If you don't have anything to get it there, then it's not mattering where you plan on going or what kind of model you have. You see, that's what Paul is going to tell us today because in the church, I think many Christians are like that. Think we've got a top-of-the-line model. We've got the best that there is. We've been given everything that we need to get to where we're going. The problem is we don't have any gas or we never learned how to start the car. And we talk about plans and we talk about what we want to do and we talk about where we want to go, but we never move. The churches are like a bunch of parking lots full of nice cars not going anywhere. And the difference between being a parking lot... And being on the highway is the type of gas you have. And Paul is going to tell us the type of gas you have is determined by whether or not when the Holy Spirit comes into your body, when he comes into your flesh, whether he finds a house or a home. So let me just start by asking you this question. In light of what we just talked about, the difference in being comfortable and welcome and finding a house and home, what does the Holy Spirit find when he looks in your heart this morning? What kind of place has he found when he decided to come and live inside of you? A house or a home? Let me show you what Paul is talking about. If you have a Bible, Ephesians chapter 3, and I think it's in your order of service, starting in verse 14. And now you remember, uh, if you go back... Verses 2 through 13, you hadn't been with us. Paul takes a break. This was going to be the heart of the passage in chapter 3. He starts in verse 1 and says, For this reason I, Paul, a slave to the gospel, a slave of Jesus Christ, uh, someone who was imprisoned to Christ for your sake. And then in verse 2, he breaks away. And in verse 2, he goes and and starts talking about all of these things to help remind us about chapter 2. And then in verse 14, he's going to come back to what he originally wanted to say. So for this reason, you know, I've told you that means therefore, you look at what he's talking about. But in this place, it doesn't. He's talking about chapter 2. For what I told you in chapter 2. And what did he tell us in chapter 2? That we are all one with the same purpose and with the same goal. If you wanted to put it in that picture of the cars again, what Paul is saying is all of us know who we are. We know what we have. There are no obstacles. There are no barriers. It's time to go. The green flag is about to wave. We are about to go and live the life that God called us to. We are about to be the church that is about to be unleashed on the world. And so everyone is lined up and ready to go. For that reason, because that's where you are, I kneel before the Father. Now, kneeling here, you know, it's not often that it talks about kneeling in prayer in the New Testament, but this is one of those places, and the emphasis is not really on kneeling. You know, kneeling is a way of submitting, and I think sometimes we get real wrapped up in the posture, and not necessarily the heart, but kneeling is a way to help physically for you to say, I'm submitting. So he says... In light that you're ready and that you've got all the information you need. You've read the owner's manual. You're ready to go. I am kneeling in submission to whom? To the father from whom this whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. To the heavenly father. He doesn't say God there. He says father. Why does he say father? Why does he say family? Because he's reminding us once again that even though we are in individual cars and we are ready to go and we are gassed up that we are all part of one fleet that we are all going together, that we are one family, that there is no division, that there are no two leaders or three leaders, and this church does that, and this church does that. We are all one body of Christ, ready to go in one place. He said, so, so in light of all of that, reminding you that we're all on the starting line, but this isn't a race, it's an endurance, and we're all going together, I pray, I pray that out of God's glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power, through his spirit in the inner being. See, what Paul is saying is that for you to be able to go, you're going to need power. All of the things that he's about to tell us to do in verses chapters 4, 5, and 6, he's saying you can't do it on your own. You can't be a godly husband on your own. I want you to listen to him. You can't be a good father on your own. You can't be a good wife. You can't be a good mother, a good grandmother. You can't be a godly businessman. You can try all you want, but you'll fail unless there is a power inside of you that is bigger than you. A strength, he says, an inner strength. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, what he's telling us is, look, I've given you a map and I'm about to tell you where to go. And I've given you everything you need to get there. But unless you have the right fuel, you'll never make it. Unless you have the right fuel, you're not going to achieve. And he said, you've got to have that kind of power. So, where does that kind of power come from? He tells us in the very next verse, verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And there's where we get the instance of our life. Where does, where does the power come from? Where is the power unleashed? It comes from Christ, the Holy Spirit, living inside of us. Now, he's not talking about conversion. You know, the Bible says that Christ comes into our heart when we get saved, and he comes and lives inside of us. He's not talking about that because he's writing to Christians. He's talking about when Christ comes in the means of the Holy Spirit and dwells and he uses that word dwell and it's an interesting word it's uh, a greek word that is a combination of two words it's katakoi uh kata means uh under and ooi, okoi is the way it's pronounced means at home and so it means under at home and basically the translation is when he says dwell it means make a home so where does the power come from Hope you're following me. I'm going around and around. Where does the power come from? You've been given everything that you've got. You've got the best car. You've got the, the top of the line model. You're unique. You can do anything, the Bible says, anywhere. I mean, you can go off-road, on-road, faster than anybody else, longer than anybody else. And then he's about to show us everywhere that we can go. He's going to talk about being a godly husband and being a godly wife and being a church that makes a difference in a community, being light and darkness. And so it's all laid out there. But he says, you're not going to get going until the power is in you, until you're gassed up. And where does the gas come from? It comes from you allowing the Holy Spirit to make a home in your heart. So I ask you again. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is living inside of you right now. God is living inside of you. He made a home. Jesus says in John 14, when I go, I will send one. The Father will send one much like me that will be with you always inside of you. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says the Holy Spirit fell on the early church and it changed them. That same Holy Spirit came on you when you accepted Jesus Christ. But Paul is saying there's a difference between him coming to live inside of you and him coming to dwell inside of you. There's a difference between you giving him a house and you giving him a home. And the difference is the fuel that will leave your life changed, it's the fuel that will guide you in everything that you do. So, how do you know this morning? How can you know whether or not the Holy Spirit is in your heart, dwelling, or whether or not it's just a house? Well, I'm going to give you a couple of illustrations, and they're easy to think of. And matter of fact, they go back to visiting somebody, practically visiting somebody on holidays. And so some of you have been there real recently, and you could probably give better illustrations than I could. You see, what he's trying to say is that this power that comes is released when God dwells in us. So what does it do to make a home? I'm going to give you a couple, of four things, I think. Uh, the difference between a house and a home. First of all, in a home, difference between a house and a home, in a home, you know that you're welcome. You know that you're welcome. You're always invited. You don't need a special invitation to go to a home, Right? I think that makes a huge difference between how we feel when we get there. If we know that no matter when we come, we're always welcome. Have you ever gone to visit somebody and you felt like uh, you were an add-on, like you were, uh, you know, a disturbance to them? Like, uh, you know, they had you come in and you were a part of it, but you weren't really a part of it. Kind of like you were just a tag-along that you kind of got in, in the way. But in a home, people go out of their way to make you feel welcome. You see, when it's a home, you, you go out of your way to make that person understand that they're always welcome, always a part. And that person feels that way. It, it, it's amazing. And, you know, when you're in college, you kind of feel that way. And you struggle with that transition. Those of you that have gone off to college and you live on your own and you come back. And the first year you come back, you kind of, it, it's still your house, you know. You kind of come in and, and you just go right in. And some of you that have college kids, you know what it's like. You come and you know they're making a sandwich and they're laying on the couch watching tv like they never left right uh my parents couldn't get it through their head we had huge disputes and some of you probably did you know because i came home and i'd been at college and my dad came in and said you know i expect you in at 11 o'clock and i said dad i don't have curfew i'm college right mom came in and said listen while you're here you need to clean the kitchen and then i need you to take out the trash in the bathroom and i was like time out I don't do chores anymore. And she said, as long as this is your home, you do things. And then what happens the longer you're away at college? All of a sudden, it's not the same. You come back that second year, and all of a sudden, instead of just using your key, which they probably took away from you between two and three years, uh, instead of you, you knock on the door. It was your house, but you knock on the door. Why? Because something has changed. You see, I think we do the same thing in our hearts. Even those of us that have welcomed the Holy Spirit in and, and we were excited about Him coming and excited about what He brought. and excited. Somewhere along the way, we changed. And while we may talk about Him being welcomed, the question is, does He feel at home? Does He feel like He's a burden? Does He feel like He's imposing on you? You ever been visiting at somebody's house and you felt like you were on the outside with everything else that was going on? They had their inside jokes and their inside things and, and you were kind of over here. I wonder if we don't do that to the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Ephesians 4, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't hurt His heart. I think sometimes we ask Him to come and, and be at home and all of a sudden He finds Himself on the outside looking in, ignored, Acting like we don't want him there. See, the difference between a home and a house is in a home, you're always welcomed. You always feel. You don't need an invitation. You're always invited. The second difference is in a home, you know that they always have a place for you. You know they always have a place for you, right? They're excited you're there. They have prepared for you to come. And, and you know that when you get there, it's not going to be a matter of you fighting the two cousins to see where you're going to sleep, right? You ever gone to visit somebody and you're staying there and, and you come in with your luggage and you kind of look around and, and no one tells you what to do with it, so you kind of set it down and you kind of go through the whole thing and, and you've eaten you've done some things and it starts to get later and all of a sudden they kind of look at you and go... Oh, yeah, you're staying here, right? And they go get a pillow and maybe a blanket and go here. You see, in a home, they're excited. They've got a place for you. Come in. We've been waiting for you. Here is your place. This is where you stay. I remember when I was dating my wife and uh, we were off at college and I was going back to see her, uh, you know, and stay with them one weekend. It may have been Thanksgiving weekend. It's the first time I ever went and stayed. And I went and they treated me like a king. It was unbelievable. I went and, you know, and they were like, look, and we, we kicked out her younger brother. It's your room. You can do whatever you want in there, Right. What do you want to eat, Rusty? And I would say it, and her mom would be in there, and they'd be cooking. We're making this just for Rusty, you know, and it was incredible. Now, once we got married, it was like, oh, you brought Rusty, you know, so it it changed, right? But it was unbelievable, because I felt at home, I felt like this was a place that I could go and be home, and that's what the Holy Spirit is looking for in our hearts, a place that not only did He feel welcome, but He knows it's His place, He doesn't have to worry about being kicked out or being thrown out. And and the one thing about being prepared is you clean up. You get ready. Some of you probably spent all the last week getting ready for people to visit, didn't you? You cleaned up, you picked up, and you got in fights with your spouse. Why are you cleaning up? It's only so-and-so, right? You clean up, you want it nice. You see, the cool thing about the Holy Spirit is is not only do you have to clean up and the Bible says when we ask God for forgiveness our sins begin to break away and see the Holy Spirit's not going to live in a place where sin is rampant but the neat thing about the Holy Spirit is when he comes and he finds a home he doesn't just sit back and watch us clean he helps us clean he's a part of it he doesn't just sit in the other room while you clean the dishes getting rid of sin in your life he comes in and says let me help Let me show you what's dirty and I'll clean it for you. I'll get it out of here. But you know what we do? Probably has never happened to any of you. You ever gone to somebody's house and you went and saw a mess and you started cleaning up the dishes and they got mad at you because you were cleaning it? You didn't put the forks back where the forks went? Listen, I've been married 25 years. We still fight because I don't put the forks back where the forks go. Right? You, everybody's laying around after eating the turkey and, and you're a type A personality and you look in the kitchen and everything's stacked up and you can't rest and the kids are asleep and so you think, I'm going to go clean. So you go in there and you start cleaning and you start washing you feel good. You're earning your way. I'm, I'm doing something. All of a sudden the, the person whose home it is comes and kind of stares at you and kind of hovers over you and kind of begins to get the things that you put up and go back in and move them back to somewhere else. That's what happens with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit says, I'm just here to help. Starts revealing sin. Starts showing you things in your life. And we say, wait a minute, time out. I'll take care of that. And He says, but you haven't. Say, wait a minute, I'll, I'll clean that up. And He says, I want to help. See, the difference between a house and a home is in a home, they're ready for you. In a home, they let you play a part. I think sometimes we grieve the Holy Spirit because we don't make Him feel welcome and also because we don't let Him be a part of what's going on. The third thing, the difference between a home and a house, is in a home you have full access. See, in a home you can, you can go in and do whatever you want. Have you ever walked in somebody's house that you're staying with? This may happen this week. And it looks like nobody's watching the TV, so you go down and you reach for the remote and about 10 people get mad because you were going to change the channel? You ever go to somebody's house that you're staying with and open the fridge? You can tell somebody got mad because you looked in the fridge, right? Or what about that one room when you're staying with somebody and they've got it locked off? And it's like you start going to it and they kind of... You know what I'm talking about. Some of you got that room. If you came to my house, it's my son's room. And I'm not hiding anything. I just don't want you to get killed going in there. And so we we block it off. Do you know what I'm talking about? Are you going in that one room and there's the couch and the chair that nobody sits in because nobody's allowed to sit in it, right? And all the stuff on the wall, those are things that you're not supposed to touch. You go in there and start going, hey, this is cool. What's that? And and they jump, whoa, 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 whoa. That's what we do with the Holy Spirit. So we open the door and say, look, it's all yours. You're welcome. Come on in. Just don't go over here. Just this part of my life is not for you to come in. You can have all the Monday through Friday, but the Friday and Saturday and Saturday night, I'm going to we're going to lock that door off. What I look at on the computer, what I watch on TV, what, what, some of that anger or bitterness that I've been holding on to a while, you, you just leave that on the shelf. Everything else you can have, but you leave it on the shelf. Listen, that's not a home. That's a house. And after a while of those things being locked up, he's going to stop trying to get in there. And that one locked-up room becomes two locked-up rooms. And that no-no wall and those chairs and couches become a place that takes over the whole house. And instead of a vibrant home, you've got a museum. That's what happens in churches. See, a home is a place that's open to anybody. Anybody can come. You can sit where you want. You have free reign. See, home is inviting, it's welcoming. You're part of the family, there's no closed doors. At a home, you feel like you've gotten home. In a house, you feel like you're visiting. Welcoming, inviting, open access. And the last thing that I want you to think about is in a home, you are included in everything. In a home, you are made to be a part. What does that mean? That means there is nothing that you should ever feel left out of. I can remember when my dad got remarried to my stepmom, who is my stepmom now. And uh, they got remarried. I'd already was married when they got married. And they moved into my stepmother's house. And that wasn't home to me. I I didn't grow up in that house. I'd visited that house before. And and I love my stepmother. And my stepmother, weird relationship that uh, she was my mom's roommate in college. And and her ex-husband was my dad's roommate. And uh, when I was born... Uh, my stepmother was the first one to ever hold me besides my mother. She was there in the room with my mother when I was born. And so all of my baby pictures were with my stepmother. So I love my stepmother to death. And my, my stepsisters, uh, they're like sisters. I played with them, little bitty, all the way up. But the first Christmas we had, after they had gotten remarried, I, we went to that house and Kim and I went and my brothers and sister came. And my stepmother and my stepsisters had all of these traditions that they had done, all of these things that they had done growing up at Christmas, and so they continued those things—special little gifts and inside jokes—and and and, and it, we, my brothers and my wife, and we kind of sat in another room and just kind of watched while they did all that. Now they weren't malicious; they didn't do it with intent. It was just something new, and they were trying to figure a way through it. And I think we do that with the Holy Spirit a whole lot. Because you see, Him being in home in our hearts, for some of us, is something new. And we don't include Him in certain areas and in certain things. Maybe our thought life, when we make decisions. Why should I ask God what I'm going to address? like today why should I ask God what I'm going to watch why should I ask God where I'm going to eat why should I ask God if I should pray for this and, and it's not malicious we're just not used to it and so he's left out and I wonder how many times in my life the Holy Spirit has felt like I did that Christmas it's kind of watching things happen but not being a part of it You see, I I want you to hear me. The Bible says God wants to dwell. He wants to be at home. The power in your life comes from God and the Holy Spirit being at home. If all he has is a roof over his head, you're never going to experience the power that God's created for you. You're never going to experience worship. You're never going to, ex- you'll see glimpses of it because he's there. You can't get away from that. He's in there. So there'll be little moments, there'll be little glimpses, there'll be times in your life that all of a sudden something will happen. And you'll think, wow, what was that? But you see, what God wants is those wow moments to be every day. What God wants is those supernatural times to be all the time. But all you've got to do is fuel up. so let me ask you again right now the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you is he welcomed comfortable nothing hidden included in every area See, I'm sure we could all come up with more illustrations because all of you have been to a house and a home you know the difference so how does he feel in your life this morning Paul reminds us that he's looking for a home. And God leaves it up to you and I to prepare it. But the consequences for not being prepared are much worse than having an awkward Thanksgiving. It's the difference between seeing God's supernatural anointing in our lives and in the life of the church and just going through the motions. I don't want to go through the motions I want to say Holy Spirit welcome home let's pray